In a recent survey, South and Central Asian leaders rated China as more effective in adapting its public diplomacy in the era of COVID-19 than Russia, India, and the United States. This is just one of many interesting takeaways from a new study of Beijing's efforts to win favor with foreign publics and leaders across the region. My name is Samantha Custer, and I'm pleased to share a rundown of top-line insights from my new report, Corridors of Power. In the study, we examined two decades of Beijing's public diplomacy across 13 South and Central Asian countries, from financing and education to culture and social media. The report was produced by AidData, a research lab at William & Mary's Global Research Institute. It's easy to think of discrete examples of how Beijing cultivates economic and social ties with other countries, from a local Confucius Institute to a state-backed infrastructure project, or even a Chinese diplomat using Twitter to promote pro-China narratives. RA data study attempts to quantify and analyze these efforts at scale within the region. Strategically, who is Beijing trying to influence, how, and to what effect? Economic opportunity is a powerful attraction for countries to engage with China. Leaders view Beijing's infrastructure investments as a gateway to economic growth. Citizens see China as improving their livelihood prospects through jobs, capital, and connections. But these economic ties can create obligations for countries to back Beijing's preferred policies, avoid criticizing its actions, and grant political or security concessions. Over the last two decades, the Chinese government bankrolled $127 billion in financial diplomacy across the region. Most of this financing was issued as debt, using loans approaching market rates and oriented towards infrastructure investments. But Beijing focused its overtures towards an elite club of strategically important communities. 62% of China's financial diplomacy went to 25 provinces. Two provinces in Pakistan and one in Turkmenistan alone received more money from Beijing than seven of the region's 13 countries. Overall, more populous districts and those with natural gas pipelines were the most likely recipients of these dollars. China is best known for the power of its purse, but Beijing has also doubled down on education, culture, exchange, and media to foster people-to-people -people ties across the region. These efforts expose foreign publics to new norms, standards, and technologies. This in turn stokes future markets for Chinese goods, services, and capital. In its bid to become a premier study abroad destination, China offers less burdensome visa requirements, numerous scholarships, English language curricula, and new vocational training modalities. Afghanistan was a particular priority for Beijing as 23% of Afghan students who studied in China did so on state-backed scholarships. This was the highest subsidy in the region. Beijing's network of Confucius Institutes and Classrooms has now surpassed comparable institutions from Russia, India, and the United Kingdom, second only to the United States in number across the region. Chinese leaders have also engaged in substantial city-level diplomacy to cultivate relationships with foreign publics at the local level. We identified 193 touch points between the Chinese government and 174 cities across the region. This included Confucius Institutes, Mandarin language testing centers, sister city agreements, and content sharing partnerships between Chinese and local media. 16 priority cities, such as Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, and Kathmandu, Nepal, 
accounted for over half of Beijing's city-level diplomacy. These top 16 cities are primarily national capitals or large metropolitan areas that are economically attractive markets for Beijing. Social media is a new frontier for people-to-people -people diplomacy. Chinese leaders have increasingly and controversially harnessed tools such as Twitter to shape popular narratives abroad. Yet it turns out that Beijing's network power is quite limited in the region. Chinese leaders rely on centralized state-run media and diplomatic accounts to push out positive stories about China and counter criticism. But with the exception of Pakistan, these Twitter accounts are followed and mentioned by relatively few of the region's elites. Instead, China's ability to connect to its desired target audiences is contingent on a small number of brokers. These are most often politicians and journalists in South Asia and government agencies in Central Asia. At the end of the day, Beijing's ability to convert public diplomacy inputs into realized influence is easier said than done. We examine citizen attitudes towards Chinese, Indian, Russian, and U.S. leadership over a 15-year period. We also fielded an A-data survey of public, private, and civil society leaders across the region in 2021 to assess the degree to which their views converge or diverge with the public. Citizens in countries across the region held relatively more favorable attitudes towards Russia and China, but their leaders favored India and the U.S. Beijing's Confucius Institutes and content-sharing partnerships with local media were associated with more favorable views of Chinese leadership, but its financial diplomacy and state visits were a double-edged sword, garnering higher approval in some countries, but not others. For more information, check out the full Corridors of Power report, along with the dataset and dashboard, all of which are publicly available at aiddata.org.